Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Judges by looking at Judges chapter 16. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Judges 16 verse 1 and follow along while I read. Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went in to her. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here. And they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, Let us wait until the light of morning, then we will kill him. But Samson lay till midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts, and pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him, and see where his great strength lies, and by whatever means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you eleven hundred pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and how you might be bound, that one could subdue you. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in ambush in the inner chamber, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in the inner chamber. But he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with the pen, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into the web. And she made them tight with a pen and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away the pen, the loom, and the web. And she said to him, How can you say, I love you, when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart. And he said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. 
When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the Lord of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. The lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as his other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their god and rejoice, and they said, Our god has given Samson our enemy into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their god. For they said, Our god has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me fill the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, and on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, Please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. This was a lengthy reading, but it draws to a conclusion this chapter of Israel's history where Samson was judge over them. It's a tragic ending for a very tragic figure. We've seen as we've looked in previous episodes at Samson's life that he seldom was handling his life the way God had called him to. It created for him a lot of struggle and strife. God was able to use that for his purposes, but Samson seems to struggle throughout his life with wanting to indulge his self and his ego rather than honoring God. Samson may have done well to remember all the things that God had promised him and put his trust in those promises and God's willingness to fulfill them. He might have acted differently and had a different outcome. I think in our lives, we need to constantly be reminded of God's promises to us if we're willing to join him in his work. There are multiple passages that speak to this, and I want to read just a few. 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse 9, says, He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall man prevail. 
The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken into pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. Job chapter 36 verse 7 says, He does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous, but with kings on the throne he has set them forever and they are exalted. Psalm 5 verses 11 and 12 says, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. And one more passage. Psalm 15 says, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. We could go on and on with passages in Scripture that tell us that God protects His children, those who are doing His will, those who are working with Him. Samson doesn't set for us a very good example. As this chapter unfolds, we see him associating with what would be considered enemies of God. First, he goes in and lies with the prostitute. And according to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 23, prostitution was one of the things that was causing judgment to be brought on the people of Canaan. God was driving out the people of Canaan and giving that land to the Israelites because they participated in prostitution and Israel was warned not to join in those kinds of behaviors. We also see Samson falling in love with Delilah. This is the second time that he's fallen in love with the Philistine. And according to Numbers 33, starting in verse 51, God's people were forbidden from intermarrying with people from other nations. And it wasn't because God is racist. It's because those people of the other nations were worshiping different gods. And he didn't want his people to be tempted to worship those gods also. Samson associated with the enemy, and we see that God was not pleased with that. But we also see a great arrogance in Samson's life. And this is something that God spoke against over and over again. Notice how Samson goes down to Gaza. He knows that he's being looked for and that the Philistines are trying to kill him. He openly goes in and lays with a prostitute and then escapes by tearing down the gates and the post. He plays mind games with Delilah. He keeps telling her that if she'll do certain things, he'll be able to be subdued only to wake up and and break away from those bonds. Even at the end, after his hair has been cut, he's still confident that he's going to be able to beat these Philistines. And notice that when he is talking about the source of his great strength and he's fighting all of these battles, he never mentions God. It's all about him. 
In his story, we've heard him mention God when he was thirsty and wanted God to provide him drink. And here he said he was a Nazarite to God, but he was convinced that he would be able to overtake them because he had no understanding of God being with him. This kind of arrogance causes people to think of themselves more highly than they ought to. And there are passages in Scripture that tell us that that's not healthy. Psalm chapter 5, verse 5 says, The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. And Isaiah chapter 2, verse 11 says, The haughty looks of a man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. The Apostle Paul, writing to churches in the first century, would tell people that they needed to be careful not to think of themselves more highly than they ought to, not to think of themselves above others, because it'll lead to a great fall. Samson associates with the enemy. He's arrogant, thinking it will not have a negative effect on him. And we also see that he is a man who lacks discipline. We've seen throughout his life that anytime he wanted something, he went and took it. He just indulged himself rather than trying to understand what it was that God wanted him to do. Multiple places in Scripture talk about our need to be able to control ourselves, that God gives us the power to be able to do that. But I want to read from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and let the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The word instruction in that passage, it can be translated discipline. It has to do with being trained, being controlled in how you approach things so that you can execute at the top of your potential. Paul tells Timothy that we've been given a spirit of power and love and of self-control. God gives us the ability not to give in to the desires of our flesh, but to be the spiritual beings he created us to be. Samson didn't exercise that self-control or rely on the spirit of God except to get him out of physical problems when he felt like he needed to fight his way out. It also seems that Samson doesn't have a very healthy prayer life. There are only two times in his whole story that we see him crying out to God, uh, actually talking to God, offering up a prayer. One of them is when he's thirsty after fighting so many men. And the second one is here at the end of his life when he asks God to give him enough strength to not only kill himself, but to kill the Philistines as well. When we think about Samson's life, we have to see it as the tragedy that it is. Samson's life could have been much better. He could have claimed all of the promises that God had made to him if he had only been willing to seek God's instruction and guidance in his life. So if Samson is an example of how not to do it, showing us that God is going to accomplish his purposes anyway, how do we allow God to accomplish his purpose in our life so that we also experience the blessings that he's promised. 
Paul seems to address this when he writes to the church in Philippi, in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. There Paul writes, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which was yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. This is an amazing passage where Paul lets us know that when it comes to obeying God, the best example we have is the example of Jesus. And he enumerates several things about Jesus and his ministry that help us understand how we should respond if we're looking to be instruments of God and we're looking to experience all the blessings of his promises. The first thing he mentions is the need for healthy relationships. I mentioned earlier that Samson had associated with the enemy, and some of you may have even already jumped ahead and went, wait, I thought we were in the world but not of the world, and there are evil people all around us. How do we avoid them? Well, what Paul describes in Philippians chapter 2 are healthy relationships where you're willing to put the needs of other people first. You're not taking from the people around you, but you're offering yourself to them. Now, in healthy relationships, people are also giving to you, but they're giving you what you need and what's best for you. When we allow ourselves to be a part of a community of believers who are all putting the needs of one another first, we don't have to worry about ourselves because other folks are worrying about us. We don't have to make sure we get our things taken care of first before we help others because we know there are people there that care about us to make sure those things come about. In Samson's case, he was dealing with people who were only trying to subdue him and take advantage of him and and hurt him. And those weren't healthy relationships for Samson. So how can we determine if our relationships are healthy or not? And I think in a healthy relationship, we see both people drawing nearer to God. It may be in very small increments. Or it may be in leaps and bounds, but we see both people growing closer to God because of the relationship. 
If we find ourselves in a relationship that's pulling us away from God, those are the things that we're supposed to flee from, run away from. If we don't have the the strength, the discipline, the the ability to withstand those temptations, we should separate ourselves from those relationships. Paul also speaks at length of Jesus's humility. Humility is something that we often misunderstand because we feel like humility is what we think about ourselves. And if we think good things about ourselves, if we don't allow ourselves to be a doormat to others, then we're not being humble. But if we look at what Paul says here, humility is not what we think about ourselves at all. It's what we think about other people. It's our willingness, no matter how well we understand the awesomeness with which God created us. It's okay that we think we're awesome. We just treat others as if they are more important than us. And when we can do that to everyone, that is a genuine humility. When we can act like Jesus, and whether it's a leper or a Pharisee, he gives them both what they need and doesn't see any difference in them. That is genuine humility. Samson lacked that in his life. His life would have gone more smoothly and may have ended very differently if he had been a more humble person. And we mentioned Samson's lack of discipline. Here, Paul talks about the discipline that Christians should have. Jesus was willing to obey to the point of death, even death on a cross. He did every single thing God wanted him to. So Paul says, it is important that you continue to work out your own salvation, that you participate in the work that God's given you to do, because that is how he transforms you and prepares you for eternity. He tells us we should participate in these things without grumbling or complaining, without arguing, We need to be wholeheartedly invested in what God wants us to do because we're convinced that it is the path to a home with him for eternity. If we will allow God's spirit to provide for us the self-control and discipline we need to do everything God calls us to, we will experience the blessing of all the promises that he's made. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.